Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, March 7th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and I'm joined, as always, on these Tuesday pods with my guy, Ramiz, as we break down an eight-game slate to get us going into this week in March. We're getting closer and closer into some key games here. Another key game just happened now with the Raptors taking on the Nuggets. We're recording this the night before. Not not very happy with the result on that one, but you know what? Best team in the West, you can't necessarily expect to win it. I just uh, don't like it when it's the uh, the Zebras that are a contributing factor in that. So, yeah. <laughs> the referees, the goddamn Scott Foster. But anyways, we'll go ahead and get past that and instead focus on what should be a pretty fun slate over here. A uh, number of games that I'm pretty excited to watch actually in real time. We'll see what ends up happening as far as those. I've been trying to uh, keep myself up with some of these teams. You know, I always have league pass teams that I end up following, like Sacramento every year. They're a team that I follow. It's just it's just a thing for me. Uh, they're obviously not pl- playing on this side here, but Charlotte is another one. Uh, my, uh, my other friend is uh, watching this as he always is. He's probably like the biggest second team Charlotte fan that I know. And I think by extension, I've just started uh, following them nonstop because of it. So it's just become a thing. And of course, Philly's on. But before we get into that, for me, he's, how is your night going? What have you been up to? And I know we're getting later on here. You're heading to a Raptors game pretty soon. Excited about that? Yeah, man, it's going good. You know, school is, is pretty solid. Obviously, Raptors-wise, hasn't been the greatest, especially this game. Uh, yeah, I'm headed. I'm going to be going to the Thunder game, thanks to you. And uh, hopefully, I'll be able to tamper Shay to come to Toronto sooner than later. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think everyone's hoping for that one Canadian to come through. If not, if not Shea, I, I mean, I want Jamal Murray per, personally, but we'll see what ends up happening. But let's get right into the games here. And just before that, as always, get yourself onto sportsethos.com. Get yourself signed up with that DFS pass. Super, super amazing value on there. Get yourself access to the Discord or ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to keep yourself that little bit ahead of the competition. Because when we get an eight-game slate, those little differences can make all the difference in the world when it comes to your lineups here. So let's jump right into the first game of the night, which is Milwaukee going into Orlando to take on the Magic. Now, a number of these games are either with teams on a back-to-back or with uh, some injury concerns up in the air. So you're going to find that totals and uh, spreads are not necessarily available for a lot of these games. In fact, I think I'm seeing three out of the eight at the moment. So we'll focus on it when it comes. This is not one of the games where the spread is available. And it's likely because... Uh, of the questionable statuses that are out here. Drew Holiday is questionable for this game, dealing with something going on with his neck, and we'll see if he's able to make it on the floor. While on the Orlando side as well, we already know that uh, Wendell Carter is questionable for this one. He was out for the last game. Looks like he might be out for this one too, but we'll see what that ends up affecting. While Giannis is, on a more positive note, probable to be able to go ahead and play this game and should be on the floor as normal. I'll let you go ahead and uh, get started on this one here, Ramiz. Who are you looking at in this matchup? Anyone that specifically intrigues you as far as things go? Uh, I mean, Milwaukee is always a tough team to kind of gauge. I mean, their prices are kind of high, too. I mean, Bobby Portis is above 6000 nowadays, so that's, it's tough to come up with the Bucks player. But I do like uh, Javon Carter at 3700 in the case that Drew Holiday doesn't play. Uh, Javon Carter is usually the key guy to replace Drew Holiday, and he plays pretty solid in the games he takes over. I mean, he's just doing a, a bit of distributing the ball, scoring. And uh, at 3,700, I think it does a lot of upside in that pick. But that's only if Drew Hardy doesn't play. 
uh, on the Magic side of things. Uh, similarly, I like Milwaukee's one of the best defensive teams, so it's tough to gauge who's going to go off. But I like Franz Wagner at six thousand. Obviously, he hasn't been the same player he was before the All Star break. Uh, after the All Star break, but uh, he's had a couple good games, and I do think he's one of these players against who go against Milwaukee who can really add more to, to the game than just scoring and such as uh, assisting, rebounding, a few steals and blocks, etc. And at six thousand, I think that's really good value. Yeah, I mean he's had. A little bit of, let's say, passiveness to his game in the last little bit now, which has kind of been annoying. His shot attempts are there. But it's funny you mentioned Franz Wagner because I was looking at the other brother on the Orlando team as the guy I'm looking at here, Mo Wagner at 3,900, who is going to draw the start at center if Wendell Carter does remain out for this one. Did that the last game as well, had an excellent game there. And just plain and simple, if he's going to get somewhere in the high 20s to low 30 minutes, which he was for a good period kind of earlier on in the season for his uh, current price tag, which is all the way down to 3,900 now in comparison to his regular kind of 5K where it was. Lots of uh, lots of upside from that perspective just from the amount of minutes he's likely going to need to play. And I back you up on the Javon Carter one, although I do think that given the, the way that uh, some of these matchups go, I feel like Joe Ingles will be the one who gets a little bit more involved as that kind of de facto point guard when, um, when Drew Holiday is kind of out there. They just like him in all these different positions. He can play... Anywhere from two to the from the two to the four, which always ends up helping his kind of minutes be in that in the mid twenties, which is what you're looking for for him to be able to hit around that uh, kind of four K price that he's at. So I like him at thirty five hundred. I think the matchup is there. It should be a fast paced one, and Orlando's very guard heavy. So you know we should be able to see a lot of kind of stats being put up here. So let's see how that turns out. Moving right on to the second game here, we've got Washington going into Detroit to take on the Pistons, another game without the spread at the moment. As far as injuries are concerned, really the major one from the Washington side of things is that Kyle Kuzma is questionable for this game by dealing with a little bit of soreness in his knee, see if he actually gets on the floor itself while on Detroit. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are already kind of confirmed out, Killian Hayes being uh, the first that we knew, first of all, that he was gone for this game here. And he's already been put like early, early questionable for the Tuesday one. So I'm going to bank on the fact that he's likely not going to end up finding his uh, finding his way on the floor. Same with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, who uh, we know for a fact that he doesn't really play back-to-back. So he is questionable for this one. He was ruled out for the Monday one with his kind of Achilles uh, maintenance, I guess you can say. Uh, he's likely to be the one who actually does end up finding himself on the floor. So we'll see what that turns out. While the kind of big man for Detroit is where, you know, the real and questionable status is there. Jalen Duran was out for Monday, might be it for Tuesday. Isaiah Stewart, same thing. And uh, we'll see what uh, happens with Hamido Diallo as well. But altogether, just a lot of things that you want to keep track of. This is where that live injury report is going to be super useful for you. Keep yourself <laughs> on to sportsethos.com there. But uh, as far as uh, kind of exposure for my side over here, uh, from the Washington side of things, even if Kyle Kuzma wasn't out, I had interest in Denny Avdia anyways. But I think you know, regardless, uh, he's been in a very solid position to be able to put up numbers here. 4,600 is the kind of price tag I want for a guy who's going to be able to play kind of high 20s, low 30 minutes. Not necessarily the highest in terms of shot volume, but he's shown the propensity to be able to rack up stats across the board. His rebounding is sneaky good for uh, the position that he ends up playing. And really, if he's going to end up playing around 30 minutes, especially with Kuzma out, likely to get a few more shots in that as well. So just a lot to like for someone whose floor is pretty safe in kind of that low to mid-20s area. So 4600 is a good price for him. And on the uh, Detroit side, 
I'm really keeping an eye out for that Killian Hayes one because if he's out, I really do like when Jaden Ivey gets that opportunity to be that primary point guard on the team. We saw that uh, we saw that in today's game where he ended up with a 13 and 13 game, so just you know, excellent kind of all-round performance. Ended up with you know, 13 assists, and really it was just him and Alec Burks that were kind of doing the vast majority all of ball handling for the team. So 5800 in a matchup that should be one of the faster paced ones of the night. I do like that uh, for him. If we do get the confirmation that Killian Hayes is in fact out for the game. Uh, I'm with you on the Wizards pick. I, Danny Avdi at 4,600. I thought was really good. Whether Kalkus will pace or not. Obviously if Kalkus doesn't play, I think he's a hundred percent should be in majority of the space that everyone puts in. And I also had Corey Kispert at 3,200. Uh, Corey Kispert is a guy who's kind of getting into his groove. He's played, I believe over 25 minutes these past few games. And that's what you'd like to see from him. He's been hitting his shots, and as long as he can do that at 3200 I think that's a really good price. Now, the Pistons side of things, uh, obviously, when with Jaden and Ivy, I'm going to go with Marvin Bagley III at 5500 Now, obviously, this is a game where, like you said, you got to get the DFS pass to keep up with the injuries because there's four four to five questionable players looking at this Pistons game. So uh, maybe Bagley might not be the pick if you have all four big men healthy with Wiseman, Dered, and uh, Stewart. But uh, in the case that Durant and Stewart aren't playing. Bagley has been picking up the pace, you know, uh, filling in that gap. And uh, at 5,500, he's been putting up some performance that have been much better than that. So I like Bagley at 5,500. That's completely fair. I like it. We'll see how that goes. Speaking of performances, by the way, we're jumping right into the Hornets and the Knicks game. And did you, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but that Knicks-Celtics game that just went down a couple of days ago, did, did you go that double overtime game? Ridiculous. We had Emmanuel Quickly, who played 55 minutes in that game. And uh, we're going to jump right into that one because he's (laughs) likely to be a pretty popular pick for good reason coming into this game as well. I don't have a total for this one so far, but with with the New York Knicks, as far as Jalen Brunson is concerned, that's really the big kind of news that's going to be there. We Obviously, roles just increased drastically across the board if he uh, does continue to be out for this game. But, uh, you know, the signs are a little bit more positive that after his uh, questionable status on that Boston game, he should hopefully find a way back on the floor here. But you now I'm kind of hoping he doesn't because there's, there's really a <laughs> lot of good prices to be able to take finish here. So let's jump right into the first of all, Charlotte side of things, which really I've been pretty happy taking Denny Smith Jr. Pretty consistently now since uh, we found out the uh, LaMelo ball news and that being for the season. He's kind of entrenched himself pretty uh, consistently into that six-man role. He's got about anywhere between 25 to 28 minutes pretty well on lock for what he's doing. And the thing is, when he comes out there, he's high usage in those minutes that he's out. So we're getting him, even as a guard, picking up you know five, six rebounds, five, six assists, and putting up double-digit shots in, you know, just 25 minutes that he ends up playing. So for a guy who's going to be 4,900 against the Knicks team that's playing at home, everyone loves to try their hardest and go big at the Garden. I do think Dennis Smith Jr. is one of those guys that um, is going to be looking for that. And, you know, there is that little bit of revenge aspect to it as well. Because, you know, the former Nick as well, there is all that in there. So I do I do like him at his 4,900 price tag. I think he's a better value than someone like a Terry Rozier who, as much as I would you know, potentially like to take him, I think 8,000 is just a bit too much for what I'd like to be able to pay for uh, someone who has kind of that up and down roller coaster bit to his uh, fantasy game. So not as interested in that, but... You know, as far as the Knicks are concerned, man, these prices are excellent for any of these guys, especially if Jalen Brunson is 
confirmed to be absolutely out. And I do think both Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett are going to be pretty popular picks uh, for, uh, for for fantasy players on the night if we do get that confirmation that Brunson's out. Uh, Quickly, for good reason. I mean, his his role, his shot attempts, everything went through the roof in that game. And I did take him in that one, so I'm you know, obviously very happy with the results. 72 and a half DK points game, which is ridiculous, but <laughs> double overtime does that for you. <laughs> That's just what it is. Don't be chasing the rainbow in that, but 5,000 is a pretty solid floor for Emmanuel quickly to be able to get. You know, worst case scenario, if uh, Jalen Brunson is in, it's early enough in the night that you can always kind of look into uh, look into swaps to see what kind of works out there. But I do like uh, his pick kind of regardless. And at the same time, RJ Barrett, as you said, he can have a bit of a roller coaster to his game, but we're starting to see, you know, him get again on a little bit of a hot streak as far as his uh, shooting is concerned. You know, three straight games, all about 45% from the field, putting up anywhere between 11 to 22 shots. It really just kind of depends, but it's whether his uh, ancillary stats can kind of go with it. So I usually find that when he's shooting well, everything else kind of works into way for him. He gets more engaged in the game and he finds himself with uh, you know more rebounds than he usually would otherwise. So. Again, pretty solid price for 5300. I like him there. Who are you looking at as far as this game's concerned? Well, honestly, I'm on the I'm on the same line as you. Uh, starting with Charlotte, Dennis Smith Jr. is probably the most safest pick. He's been one of those guys who, even on a bad shooting night, he's been able to get, like you said, six, uh, five, six assists, which can still get you his at his value. But there's times obviously where he exceeds and gets you 30 plus DK fantasy points, which is exactly what you want from Dennis Smith Jr. Because the Charlotte's team is kind of interesting. I mean, I've been looking at their past uh, minutes this distribution, and honestly, the only people who guaranteed get minutes is Tiro Wazir and Kelly Oubre, who are get 30-plus minutes guaranteed. But those guys are a bit too expensive for my liking. So uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is the only one who I like. And on the next side of things, I mean, I, I, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's Quickly or R.J. Barrett. Uh, because at their price ranges, they're pretty – they're on that price range where, like, you can get so much value from these guys. And, of course, if Brunson doesn't play – it's it's such a better factor. And uh, RJ Barrett at 5,300. RJ Barrett is not really a top player I go for because of uh, uh, just taking a lot of shots. And sometimes it can be pretty tragic of a box score. But uh, at 5,300, I think do think against the Charlotte Hornets team who isn't going to be known as a defensive beast or anything. So RJ Barrett and quickly should have honestly amazing stat lines once again. Yeah, I mean, that's an understatement. Charlotte defense is probably the most well-known thing for every fantasy player. You just put up against them and they always go off. But halfway through, let's go right into the next side of things, which is the Brooklyn Nets going into Houston to be able to take on the Rockets. And this is a game we do have the total for, a 229.5 total with the Brooklyn Nets favored to win by seven. And you know, we haven't talked too much about spend ups over here but you know i'm looking at some of these guys in uh, both the brooklyn and houston side which are in that kind of mid-tier to high mid-tier and i'm and i'm really liking here but what are you uh, what are you looking at as far as this game's concerned uh, i'm looking at the main guys for brooklyn you know you convinced me last time at, with mikhail bridges is performing the way he has i mean it's been insane and his value is still kind of in that range where you can still go for him i believe especially in the eight game slate so i think mikhail bridges at 8100 and spencer dinwiddie too i mean deserves a fair shout i mean he's been performing probably better, the best he's ever had, I want to say, in terms of his career. And uh, at, honestly, you don't want to stack these guys, but you want to put them in different slates. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie has been averaging like eight-plus assists these past five, six games, which is insane. And on the Rockets side of things, it is always tough to kind of engage with the Rockets because 
you don't know what type of things uh the head coach is going to pull out, Stephen Silas. But uh, I like Jalen Green at 6,400. Jalen Green obviously is another one of those shot chuckers. He's going to get like his shots, but uh, I think I think he's one of those guys who's been on a good, not a good stretch, but a pretty solid stretch where you can really go for his value at 6,400. Yeah, no, it's completely fair. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth as far as Mikael Bridges is concerned. He's just, dude has been insane. He's been amazing. He's had a floor that's been pretty safe in the 40s ever since he's moved into uh, into Brooklyn here. So, yeah, I'm pretty uh, confident to be able to go ahead and take him, especially in this kind of a matchup. The Rockets are always just running and gunning and just kind of trying to keep as close as possible. They do find themselves keeping games closer at home. So I'm actually hoping that Mikael Bridges can get his regular allotment of minutes, which will just open up uh, everything else as far as his fantasy stat line is concerned. But as far as kind of the Houston side is concerned, definitely Jalen Green. The other one, Tari Eason, 100%. He's been one of my uh, favorite picks for the last little while now. Now that he's kind of find himself in that secured 28-minute role, you've seen now five straight games. His lowest DK points in that has been 28, and he's still sitting in the 4,000s. It's just... It's clear that kind of the shift has uh, has moved towards, you know, kind of that three-headed monster of kind of Sangoon, Jabari Smith, and Tari Eason. And Jabari Smith is finding himself kind of diminishing as far as his offensive role is concerned. They're still kind of throwing him out there. Uh, you know, one, because he's a rookie, you want to let him develop. But it's clear that from a pure offensive standpoint, it's going a lot more through Tari Eason now. He can be a little bit more kind of versatile in smaller ball lineups as well. So, you know, he's gotten double-digit shot attempts for five straight games now, and I don't see that kind of letting off until the end of the season here. So love him at 4,800. Definitely my uh, favorite pick as far as Houston's concerned. And then Jalen Green, look, anytime he's below 7,000, I just find myself taking him consistently. I just think that floor is safe. That floor is absolutely safe. You take him, uh, he's going to get 20 shots a game, even if he's not hitting him at the consistent level that you would hope for. He's going to end up with 30 DK points. He's never going to kill you. So take it. I, he's did obviously more of a safe kind of cash play that you can throw out there, but man, GPP upside is there. It's yeah, he's just a guy I take. Just plain and simple what it is. <laughs> Philly and Minnesota though. This is uh, going to be one of those kind of real life games that I'm definitely going to watch. I watch every Philly game regardless because my guy James Harden is on the team. <laughs> regardless, Philly going into Minnesota taking on the Timberwolves. As far as injuries are concerned though, Tobias Harris who was. Uh, questionable and and was ruled out for this Monday's game uh, against the uh, against the Pacers on that one is expected to be able to come back for Tuesday so we'll see uh, Philly kind of get back to a full rotation both him and PJ Tucker should find themselves back on the floor and Minnesota it's kind of the uh, same situation there uh, the regular rotation remains obviously Carl Anthony Towns is going to be back whenever he does decide to get back but until then it just kind of is whatever they can throw to try to stop Joel Embiid, who just continues to be this unstoppable force even tonight against um, against the Indiana Pacers. 11 of 16 from the field, 19 of 19 from the free throw line, ended up on 42. And the only reason his uh, DK point night wasn't absolutely monstrous is because he had a kind of below average game on the board, only five rebounds in that. So not something you expect there. Now there's a lot of spend-ups that you can potentially look at this is likely to be one of the kind of faster-paced games that you're happening on the night there. I think the fastest so far is going to be the upcoming Warriors and a Thunder game that we're going to speak about, which is what I'm seeing as the highest spread here. But I expect the uh, total in this game to be somewhere in kind of that low 230s. So uh, I'd like to be able to go ahead and take both Tyrese Maxey, first of all, 5800 I think his price tag continues to be too cheap for what 
he offers as far as his offensive upside is concerned. And we're starting to see him kind of get back to that consistent level here. Four straight games, 28 and higher, which is great for his price tag. He's dropped a 46 in there. He's dropped a 38 in there. Has gotten 21 field goal attempts and, he, and nothing below 16 in the last four games, which is great. And most importantly, his efficiency is starting to catch up. So just a lot to like as far as his uh, kind of fantasy game is concerned. While on the uh, on the Minnesota side, really the only area that I've been finding myself going as a bit of a, kind of if I land on him, it works. It's Kyle Anderson. And it's all just comes down to how many different lineups he ends up finding himself. And you talk about guys that are pretty much guaranteed minutes. Kyle Anderson's going to get up somewhere between kind of 30 to 35 minutes just because they need him for his defensive presence and Plain and simple, uh, he's probably the best ball distributor on this uh, current team right now with Mike Conley kind of playing a lot more off-ball as well. So I'd like uh, him to be able to kind of fit in different lineups that works in for that kind of mid-tier pricing. But, yeah, talk to me. Who else you like him? Uh, I mean, for, uh, starting off with Sixers, uh, obviously this is a back-to-back. So obviously keep up with the injury report to make sure you do on beat or hard and are playing because if they aren't, then that's only going to add to Maxi's value, who I – like on this uh, slate in, at 5,800, Max is kind of falling into that po- uh, area with uh, what I kind of put in with Michael Porter Jr., where they're able to get the points, but as like if Max can just get a few more assists, that will add him way more, look way better in terms of fantasy value. And then from the Wolf side of things, uh, it's always, I don't know, I, don't, I always just go for Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels is one of those guys who I can easily slot in at 4,700 and mm-hmm. is one of the best defenders for this Minnesota team. And you're going against a team with had who has Harden and Max. You're going to expect him to get a lot of minutes. And at 4,700, he's one of those guys who I don't really have on a high priority list in terms of trying to fit on my sleeve. But if you want to take some chance on a Wolves guy, I think Jimmy has one of those individuals. Yeah, completely fair. All solid mid-round picks over here. Going right into Golden State, walking into Oklahoma to take on the Thunder. Hear this: a 241 total for this game. Is what's expected. The Golden State Warriors expected to win by four. Coming in on a game where you know Steph Curry is back on the floor, came back in his last game there, played 32 minutes, so you know great as far as his workload is concerned. There, Draymond Green is also probable for this game. He did uh, you know, play the la- that last one against the Lakers there. They were worried about his hand, but it seems like he'll be okay. And uh, Andrew Wiggins is going to be out, continue to be out for this game as well. So you know as far as the Warriors are concerned, that's that on uh, the OKC side. Pretty much all systems go here. The only kind of questionable side is Jalen Williams. Jalen with an E, not with an I, to be able to go ahead and get himself on the floor. And he's been probably one of the more impressive rookies over the last month now. He's just continued to uh, kind of make strides in his game, especially in his uh, offensive game and how efficient his scoring has been. So his price tag is taking a big bump there. But I'll let you uh, get started with this one as far as the Warriors OKC side are concerned. Who are you looking at? Who's exciting to you as far as their price tags are concerned? This is going to be a high-scoring game, and so I, 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 one person who I have on my list for sure is Kaminga at 4600. Kaminga has been playing some great basketball. His value has been increasing, but I still think at 4600 against a team who has no center and continues to have no center, uh, Kaminga should be able to dominate the paint and just do feed off Steph Curry, Poole, and Thompson and Draymond. I mean, just kind of play that Wiggins role essentially and just get easy uh, baskets. And then uh, I, I do have some interesting Curry. I think Curry at 10,100. Uh, obviously, we know what he's done against OKC in his past in his career. But uh, this is going to be a high-scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if he had one of those monster nights. I mean, I think last time they faced 
he had a, an insane night, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think he can do the same thing. And 10,100, uh, obviously this 10,000 is a lot, but it's an eight-game slate. Not really a lot of players are around that range at Curry's caliber. So I do like Curry at that price. And then from the Thunder side of things, uh, honestly, Jalen Williams was the guy I liked, but his price went up insane amount. <laughs> I, I, I had him for last Thursday, uh, I believe, or Friday game. But uh, and he he went off. But man, seven thousand might be pushing it for me, especially if I'm going for like a Curry and a much more higher price player later on. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went with Isaiah Joe at forty five hundred because uh, if there's gonna be there's gonna be three point shooting on both sides of things, and I think Isaiah Joe, who honestly has been given the green light to keep on shooting the threes, uh, I think there's one game he even attempted like sixteen shots, which is insane for a three point shooter. But uh, hey, he's been hitting it, and at forty five hundred, he's also starting, if I'm not mistaken, or he has been taking a huge chunk of minutes. So I like Isaiah Joe at 4,500. Yeah, completely fair there, and I'm, I'm there with you. That being said, I'm not going for Curry on this game. I'm going on the other side here with Ooh. Shea Gilgis-Alexander sitting at uh, 10K. Look, he's been – last game I thought it was crazy that he got to 9,800 as far as his price tag was concerned after the game he had against Utah already. So I was happy to take him there, dropped exactly what I expected, which was somewhere close to 60. And frankly, no one on this Golden State team has been – all that great in general in terms of being able to go ahead and uh, and contain Shea. Where Shea has kind of had his own struggles is just he was himself missing shots. So the two games that he's had against the Warriors, even though he's been able to get to the free throw line 18 times and hit all of them, that 16 of 40 has kind of stopped the rest of his uh, line to be able to go ahead and get there. So I do think this is a matchup, and this night in this kind of environment at home is where he's really going to go ahead and uh, be able to take advantage of that. So I'm, I'm banking on Shea as my one kind of expensive spend-up that I'm looking at with all the uh, other guys that I've been talking about from a value perspective up till now. So we'll see how that, uh, how that works out there. And I'm right there with you on Isaiah Joe. I just think he's, at this point now, very well established as that key offensive spark that this team is going to need, especially from the outside. And, you know, Thunder are sneakily in the mix, man. They're in the mix for that play-in, and they're going to keep fighting to be able to go ahead and get there. And, uh, you know, they're kind of... The one team that's holding off the Lakers, everyone's just kind of hoping that Thunder <laughs> fall off, see if the Lakers are able to sneak in. But I don't think Thunder are going to make it any easier for any of them. And I expect this to be a fun game to watch. And uh, we'll see how both uh, Isaiah Joe and Shea Alexander do for that one. Because, yeah, I'm not really taking anyone from the uh, from the Warriors on this game, just given how the price how the prices are. Just no, no one specifically. Draymond is always on my radar, but it's just the – it's working out for me not to have him. I could spend a little bit more to be able to go ahead and, uh, and talk about, you know, the both Mikhail Bridges side of things from a forward perspective, or I'm going to talk about a, a forward coming up in the, in the Utah game that I'd be interested in as well. Steph versus Shea though, huh? Yeah, exactly. Steph versus Shea. That's going to be, that's our, that's our thing today. We're going to have to uh, (laughs) see how that works out. Well, thank you and see how it goes. Utah going into Dallas after that. Did, did you watch that Dallas Phoenix game? At least tell me you didn't get a chance to see that. That was I watched a wild, the wild game. game. <laughs> yeah, wild, wild game. game. Just don't talk smack with three seconds left, says Luke. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. So we'll have Utah going into Dallas to take on the Mavericks here with uh, no uh, no total at the moment for this one. As far as Utah is concerned, really all systems go except for Colin Sexton being out. And on the Dallas side, it's just uh, Max Kleba who continues to be questionable, hasn't really found himself on the floor for extended periods since um, he had that injury earlier on. But uh, it's kind of going back to what I was talking about in terms of 
forwards and or centers that I'm looking at over here. Two guys that I always like consistently and I have been taking consistently on the Utah side are Kelly Olynyk and Walker Kessler. And they continue to be in a position here where I really do like them, especially given the fact that Dallas has really struggled to be able to take out offensive centers. Uh, they're basically not willing to put Christian Wood out there for extended periods. They'll throw him there for like 15 to 18 minutes now to be able to try and get some offense because they know he's just such a pylon on the defensive side. So as a result, you just end up having Dwight Powell playing cardio for 25 minutes just to try and be something as far as uh, some sort of a deterrent just on the center and inside the paint. And frankly, hasn't been working very well. And we've seen centers and, and big men continue to go off Walker Kessler is one of those guys that continues to just go off for uh, for his price tag. Has just been in that kind of 6,800 to 7,000 range and fluctuating there, yet still continues to put up games where he'll end up anywhere between 35 to 40 on most of those nights. So I just like him to be able to continue here. I expect he'll have another very efficient offensive night, and you know those block numbers are always there. So love it for that perspective. And same thing kind of with Kelly Olynyk. He just uh, we talked about guys who are Swiss Army knives. He just continues to be that for this Utah Jazz team, and you know he is exactly what they need in terms of being that guy to go with Walker Kessler, be the one to stretch out the floor, allow Walker Kessler to be the one to just hog the the entire paint and just become an absolute kind of defensive stalwart in there. Works well, and uh, I really do like that combination for them. While on the Dallas side of things, it's it's what I've been speaking about up until now. Those prices. Are obviously super high. Luka Doncic at twelve thousand. I like. I, I'll never say no. I just there's other matchups that I that I end up liking better here. And Kyrie, who did finally get back kind of his last two games to the shot attempts and like the level of efficiency that I've expected from Kyrie, but his price tag is now ninety three hundred as a result of it. And I kind of liked him better when he was in that eight thousand range, eighty you know high eight thousands to low nine thousands here. This is just a bit a bit too much for what I end up liking over here. So if, I, if there's any kind of exposure that I would want from the uh, from the Dallas side, I may end up taking a stab just at Tim Hardaway on a uh, kind of high-scoring game here, expecting him to get hot from three as he has in the last game where he was able to kind of hit six of eight from the outside. It's just his ancillary stats always kind of scare me off from a really, really big night that he could have. Uh, honestly, this was one of the games who I kind of just drifted away from. Uh, from the Jazz side, I think that this one with Oche Ogbaji at 3600. He's still one of those guys who uh, I just I think he's he continues to get minutes and but he has been struggling in terms of hitting his shots. But uh, I still like him at 3600 because uh, there are a couple of uh, high value guys like Curry and uh, another guy who I'll, I'll mention in this next game. And I think Oche Ogbaji is one of those guys who can kind of just slot in easily at 3600. Mm-hmm. And on the Mavericks side of things, uh, I mean you, you said it, they're kind of already priced out to where they want to where they should be priced at. And that's something that I don't want to go near, especially 12000 for Luca. <laughs> but uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a solid pick, but uh, it's, it's always just him just scoring the ball and just nothing else, like zeros across the other board. Yeah. And then uh, Christian Wood is an interesting guy, but uh, he hasn't had 30-plus minutes, I think. I was checking this uh, since, like, January 18th, which nope. is insane. I mean, like, that's not a center that they can really put him out against the court. I mean, you would assume it's someone like Walker Kessler, but you probably fold under pressure against him as well. So uh, I'm just not, not go with nobody for the Mavericks, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> well, nobody is exactly who they have in the front court. So <laughs> it makes sense to me. But speaking of 
Nobody's mm-hmm. been needing to be somebody. Okay, well, I'm sure everyone and their mother has been following <laughs> the the news that's going on. You know, John Morant and his. Man, I don't even know what to say about this anymore. It's just stupidity, is what it is. But Memphis going into LA to take on the Lakers. You know, it's probably a matchup that a lot of people have penciled in. But now the Lakers have a great opportunity to be able to take advantage of John Morant's absence, which could be extended. We don't know how long his uh, timetable is to return after he has his um, his Gilbert Arenas level gun incident. I don't know what else you want to call this here, but it's a 226 game total for this one. And the Lakers are favored to win by two. We talk about guys that are absolute chalk sometimes and you just got to eat it. And everyone is going to be playing Tyus Jones. There's just, there's no two ways about it. He has shown again and again that he's one of the better backups in this league. And anytime John Moran goes out, he ends up stepping right in. And he averages about 18 points a game and seven assists when he gets to start. And he showed that right in that first game against the Clippers. 9 of 14 ended up with 60.75 DK points for I'm sure everyone who got him for his 3,100 obviously saw a big price jump with results of it, but still 4,900 is not going to scare anybody off. He's going to end up for as long as John Morant is out, he's going to be a guy who should be getting you 30 plus on a night to night basis. So he is going to be probably the most picked uh, guard on the slate alongside Emmanuel quickly. So he's got, he's got to do it, man. Sometimes he's got to take it and and hope that some of the other things work out. But Tyus Jones, definitely the, the main one that I'm looking at here, as far as Memphis is concerned. And, on the Lakers side over here, with as far as the injuries are concerned, we know that Anthony Davis is, in fact, probable for this, which, you know, he just keeps being questionable every game, but then ends up kind of showing up. So for 10,800, he's there, while uh, D'Angelo Russell is, in fact, questionable for this game. So we'll see if he is able to make finally back on the floor since uh, February 23rd, where he has been out. Um, honestly, not super intrigued by any of the prices as far as the Lakers side of things are concerned. I do think that uh, Malik Beasley is the one guy who does have a little bit of upside. But the problem is his shot attempts have been kind of petering in the wrong direction there. He was uh, consistently getting anywhere between kind of 11 to 15 shots for kind of a good period of time. And the last couple of games that's dropped kind of closer to that single digit mark, which now you're hoping that he'll be uh, starting off hot and stay himself on the floor. But, you know, 5,400, you could do worse because, you know, his minutes at least are guaranteed. It's the rest of it, whether it works out. But uh, who are you looking at from these two games as well? Uh, starting with the Grizzlies, I mean, you said Taj Jones, 4,900. I mean, it's an insane value. I mean, uh, this kind of reminded me of when uh, when Tyrese Halliburton got injured and it was going for uh, T.J. McConnell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> T.J. McConnell. Even like 6,000 people were going for him because he was just always hitting his numbers. And Ty Jones is probably in the same line. I mean, 4,900 is insane. I mean, anybody who got him at 3,100 at that price, at that performance, must have been just celebrating insanely. Mm-hmm. And then I also have David Roddy at 3,000. David Roddy was someone who uh, I was just looking in place of like who was getting minutes because of John Moran's absence. And David Roddy was also one of those individuals. I think David Roddy in this type of game, especially because uh, from the Lakers of how they're going to play, you can expect it to be. This game is probably going to be a great and grind type matchup. So if you're watching this game for a bucket, this is the wrong game to watch. Uh, so I think uh, in that type of game style, that this game might have, I think David Roddy is going to be someone who can get you a, a pretty soft stat line and get you a few numbers, not nothing too crazy, but at 3,000, uh, he'll definitely be able to exceed that value. And the reason I'm going for someone like David Roddy, because on the Lakers side, the reason I said I'd, if I have room for Curry, I'll put him in, is because I'm going to have AD in my slates. 
80 at 10,800, uh, especially, I mean, get, look at, if you look at the last game, for example, they scored, what, 100-something points, and, uh, well, 80 had, like, a third of that because uh, they have no scoring on this team. So I think uh, 80 in this type of match- matchup as well at home, uh, he's kind of getting his groove back. I mean, that's what you want to see. As When he's fully healthy, he can, he, he can really dominate the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, he is going against uh, probably a defo- defensive player of the year, front runner if you need to think about it in Jaron Jackson Jr. But uh I mean AD has if he's in this type of form I don't think anybody can really stop him. And ten thousand eight hundred is expensive, but uh I mean I mean he he has a really good chance of going on an insane performance like he did against the Warriors again. And uh honestly I did think about a few other players like you said Malik Beasley was someone uh Austin Reeves but uh I still think uh Darvin Ham is still trying to figure out who can play what and uh it's really interesting because without LeBron, is Malik Be- does Malik Beasley live up to like that same amount of like role, or does Austin Reeves get more playtime because he can shot create a bit more? Mm-hmm. So it is interesting on the guard side of things. Jared Vanderbilt was also interesting at fifty five hundred because of the defense and such. So I do have him on my list if I have room. But uh, on the Lakers side, I think I'm just looking at eighty for ten thousand eight hundred. All right. Well, hey, we got to spend up somewhere, and AD yeah. is definitely not a bad shout when it comes to any matchup that can stay even somewhat close. Because yeah, the Lakers need every win that they can get. <laughs> exactly. And talking about every win that they can get, another place that you can always win is on Thrive Fantasy, where you get yourself with those props. Make a lineup of ten players on there, see what's going to be over under, and kind of looking at a couple of these. There's a, a number of juicy ones that kind of jumped out to me, and. And we'd like to kind of give two each to see what's what's what. First one that I'm going to jump into is kind of doubling down on what I spoke about as far as Shea Gilgis Alexander is concerned. Ten and a half total for his rebounds and assists combined. I do expect that this is going to be a signature performance coming out from SGA in this game. And that includes him being able to get a couple of those dimes and rebounds to go with it. Uh, really, even on a, on a half-decent game, he ends up with six assists. So can I expect him to get... Anywhere between four to five rebounds? Yeah, I do think so, given the uh, the small ball that uh, the Warriors are going to play consistently here. So no one really there to gobble up the boards. Secondly, and going back to that Memphis-LA game, I know I didn't take him in my fantasy lineup itself, but I do like him in general. I just think his price tag is a bit too much, and that's Desmond Bain. 34.5 points, rebounds, and assists. He is obviously going to be the number one shot taker on Memphis and we saw that right away in that first game with uh, with uh, uh, John Morant out. Ended up on 22 field goal attempts. Had a great game, 47.5 DK points against the Clippers there. And, you know, I don't necessarily expect him to hit those uh, same heights in this game here, but he is going to be taking a lot of shots. So I expect him to end up with somewhere between kind of 20 to 25 points, like actual points in this game. So it really just comes down to whether he can continue to be that secondary ball handler, which he did in that last game there. And I, I expect him to be able to do so. So those are my two as far as Thrive is concerned. Uh, so I got three picks. I mean, one of them is Shades uh, over 10 and a half total rebounds and assists. I mean, you said there's going to be small ball lineups, and she is probably going to be one of the tallest players on the court. So getting rebounds and assists in the high scoring game shouldn't really be an issue. Uh, another player I got was uh, Luca over 47.5 total points, rebounds, and assists for 105. Obviously, that would be an insane stat line, but if there's someone to pull off an insane, lap, an insane stat line, Luca is definitely going to be someone who does that. And the last one I got was Mikal Bridges for 120 points, more than 24.5 total points. Uh, I mean, I 
I think this is a really interesting take because, I mean, his averages as a Nets, I believe he's averaging 26 points per game as a net. And uh, against this Houston team, I don't think getting over 24.5 should be an issue. As long as the game is close, I think you can definitely see that value being reached. Yeah, I was uh, kind of going back and forth on that Mikael Bridges one earlier as well. So, yeah, I'll have to uh, – maybe I'll take him on uh, my fantasy line if I put up just to get a little bit of exposure on what could be a juicy night. But that does bring us to the end of a pretty packed slate over there. So, again, keep yourself up to date with a lot of these questionable statuses that we spoke about as we went through these games. Get yourself onto sportsethos.com with that DFS pass and ask the pros all the way up until lock. And if you want to reach out to me, as always, you can get to me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil. Let me know if Shea is going to outperform Steph Curry on this matchup and uh, allow me to get another one up on my boy Ramiz, who, where can they find you on Twitter, my friend? They can find me at two nice. That will be spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore. And you can also just let me know how great of a pick Steph was over Shea. I love it. Well, until then, we will go ahead and keep you guys up to date there. Definitely keep following us and keep engaging with it. But until then, good luck with this one, and let's go take down some GPPs.